your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Jake Sanderson, and you're listening to Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Tim Stützle, and you're listening to the Locked On Senators Podcast. Welcome inside episode 591 of the Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Piller, up in the Blue Mountains. Ross Levitan in Venice, Italy, somewhere on a boat as we speak. And it looks like Bob McKenzie got off his boat at the cottage to give us his final prospect rankings. So I'm going to take a look into that, what's different than other lists. And it's nice to finally see the Bob father show us some of his insight. We also have some great insight from Corey Pronman of The Athletic. We talked to him about this year's draft, get into uh, goalies finally, Cutter Gauthier, Joachim Kamel, lots of great stuff from Corey Pronman. So stay tuned for that. And talks of Kevin Fiala intensifying according to Elliot Friedman. That could be very interesting for the Ottawa Senators. Let's get into today's episode. Here we go. Today is Wednesday, June 29th. Thank you for making the Locked On Senators podcast your first listen or watch of the day. If you want to support the show, please subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or hit like on YouTube, hit the subscribe button, and follow along. Drop a comment below. How am I doing without Ross? Thank you for everyone commenting nice things that uh, my intro is not too bad so far, and uh, it's a work in progress, that's for sure. But speaking of a work in progress, Bob McKenzie has finally put out his final rankings for TSN, and I'm taking a look at them right now. The the thing that pops off right away, obviously, is Shane Wright, not his number one ranked player. Now, if it's not Shane Wright, it's either Slavkovsky or Cooley, so I hope I'm not spoiling too much here with saying that Uri Slavkovsky is Bob McKenzie's number one ranked player on his final rankings. And that's similar to our guest, Corey Pronman, who also had Slavkovsky as his number one. Now, apart from that, looking at Bob's list here, there's not too many uh, shockers other than our guy, Cutter Gauthier, is moved to number five. He actually has Simon Nemich as the top right-hand shot defenseman. And then Gote is in between Nemich and Yurchek. Yurchek falling at number six. At number seven, typical Joachim Kamel. It seems like a lot of guys have him at number seven. Conveniently, ranked number seven. And I think a lot of mock drafts have Joachim Kamel going to the Sens. Corey Pronman, another example of Kamel as a uh, great idea to the Sens if they do decide to keep that seventh overall pick, maybe a trade for Kevin Fiala could include a seventh overall pick. We'll get into that later, though. And just looking at uh, the rest of Bob McKenzie's list here, some guys that probably are lower than where Ross and I have him and uh, where other uh, prospect analysts sorry, have him is Frank Nazar, down at 15. I would probably bump him up a little bit there. Uh, and then he's, uh, you got Frank Nazar right in between Yurov and Lambert, which is very funny because Yurov and Lambert, 
those are two guys where it's like high risk, high reward. We're not sure how things are working out. And then Frank Nazar, it seems like everybody really has a good idea of his value and what he's worth. So interesting that he's put in between those two. Uh, of other interesting notes, we all know it's going to be uh, Simon Nemich and uh, David Yerchek are going to be the first defenseman off the board. Who goes first and where do they go? That remains to be seen. But as far as left-hand shot defenseman goes, that's where it gets kind of interesting. Who is the top left-hand shot defenseman? And Bob McKenzie actually has Kevin Korczynski from the from Seattle in the dub at number 11. But right after him is Pavel Mintyukov. So I got to assume that they're pretty close in value and uh, that it wasn't uh, going away. Kurczynski's the the better player in his rankings. And then other than that, it's it's all fairly, uh, excuse me, fairly similar here because you've got um, Isaac Howard at number 20. That'd be great value. You've got the Jurgarden guys, Ogren and Oslin at 21 and 22. So that's Bob's list. Uh, go check it out at TSN. There's a lot of uh, interesting stuff there, especially the fact that yet another um, great, respected person in the industry not having Shane Wright as the easy slam dunk consensus number one overall pick. So the Montreal Canadiens, usually when you got the first overall pick, it should be an easy, easy one, but they're going to have tough decisions to make at their home arena in Montreal for that draft on July 7th. We're getting closer and closer to that date. I'm getting so excited. And guys, you know we're not done uh, with our draft coverage here. As I mentioned a few times, Corey Promner from The Athletic joins us today. We get into a lot of great stuff. Finally, we get to talk about some goalies. And uh, a goalie that I am really interested in, in uh, Hugo Havlid. He mentions him and uh, playing with his twin brother over in Sweden. So definitely stick around for that. Corey Promner gets into the Pinto versus Greg debate. That was a hot one on Twitter when we brought it up uh, at Sen Central. Definitely uh, interesting to hear someone outside of the Sen sphere give their opinion on what they think there. So let's get into our interview with Corey Promner. But before we do that, guys, got to tell you a word from one of our favorite sponsors. It's betonline.net. Sure, we're in the dog days of summer. Basketball over, hockey over, but there's still lots of uh, sports gambling to be had. And whenever you decide to uh, do online sports gambling, you got to use the trusted partner of the Locked On Podcast Network. That's betonline.net. From all the latest odds, totals, player performance, props to where the next fired coach is going to land, betonline.net is your number one spot for all your sports betting needs. It's the best spot for your sports scores podcasts, news, and updates this season. It's not just hockey and basketball, guys. You can catch golf. You got baseball odds. You got boxing. You got UFC. Whatever you want, they got it at betonline.net. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends or action. Guys, it's betonline.net where the game starts. And now let's get to our interview with Corey Pronman of The Athletic. All right, we now welcome on a very, very special guest. He is pumping out content on the daily at The Athletic. He's a prospect writer and covers the NHL for them. We've been long following his work. We use it for our draft rankings. It's Corey Prodman. How are you doing today? Welcome to the show. Uh, Yeah, thank you for having me. Oh, it's our pleasure. We're really excited about this draft, obviously, covering the Senators. We've been 
getting used to the draft and being at the top of it. The Senators are seventh. I want to get into your mock draft in a little bit. But first, I'm curious, your overall impression this year versus, let's say, the last five, where would you rank this draft in terms of overall quality? Yeah, that's a good question. It's it's probably uh, among the lower ends, closer to 2017 than it would be at least going into what we thought 2019, what we thought 2020. Uh, maybe maybe 21, even a little bit more analogous to, to you know 2019, 2017. Sorry, sorry, 2017, 2021. This one seems closer to that one where you're probably not going up to the podium enamored with the first or second overall pick, but overall the body of the draft still looks you know relatively fine. And uh, and I still I think if you pick if you're picking a seven, I think you think you're going to get a very good player. Yeah, and uh, speaking of picking at seven and uh, getting a good player, you, like many other uh, scouts and reporters, Corey, they have the sense selecting Joachim Kamel at seventh overall. Now, why is this such an obvious fit? And uh, I I think it's a great fit as well, but uh, why do you think it's just such a consensus thing that the sense will go that direction? It's funny you say it because I don't think it's obvious. Ottawa was probably the one of the teams in the top 10 I I had the hardest time trying to you know, find a fit for, for a player, just because I, I do think, you know, Kim Kamel makes sense for what they value in terms of finding a high compete guy. He brings really legitimate skill and scoring ability. Um, that being said, I, I just, just based on what they typically tend to value and what most teams tend to value, uh, I think the five ten winger, uh, who's a good, not great skater in the top 10 is, it seems to, to not fit what history tells you goes there, even though you guys had Lucas Raven, Alexander Holtz kind of go in that range a couple of years ago. Uh, and for that reason, I'm not 100% sure. I, I feel confident about it. I could see Ottawa going down different paths. I could see, you know, Matthew Savoy. I could see Marco Casper. I could see Connor Geeky. I, I could see even see Kevin Korczynski there. You know, there are, there are different ways I can see them going. So, I think I, I know I've read what the stuff that you're mentioning. I, I know Kamel's been a popular choice from that seven, but yeah. at least in my personal del- deliberations, um, I, I had I didn't feel overly confident about that one. Well, you just put out a very comprehensive draft rankings, 127 prospects. You've had to shuffle them up, put them in order. And my question going through this all is if you had to narrow it down to one attribute that you value more than anything else when you're putting these together, what is it and which player in this draft excelled at that the most? Uh, I mean, I don't know if there's one single thing you look at. It's it's always a balance of variables. You know, I do think skill and hockey sets are typically typically the things that I put the most value on, but but uh, you know, I think skating is really important. I think compete is really important. I think production is very important. So, um, I, I, you know, how players translate to the pros or things you think about. So it's not definitely one thing, but if you had to make a, a ranking of the, of the attributes, those would be probably hockey sense would be number one and, and then followed right behind by, by skill level. And at least in this draft, um, you know, Matt, Matthew Savoy would come to mind, at least in terms of the guys who will be there at seven, obviously high on the draft. Talk about Shane Wright, talk about Uri Slavkovsky, uh, Logan Cooley. Those guys would be ahead. But at least it turns out at, at number seven, uh, you're, you're probably talking about uh, Savoy, probably. Nice. Okay. Yeah. And uh, someone that we've uh, looked at and that we've highlighted for the sense at seventh overall is Cutter Gauthier. And sure. he, he's someone that we just think really fits uh, what the Sens like. He's, he's a bigger, stronger guy. And, but the interesting thing is we're looking at it now and 
the talk really seems to be that he's going to make a go at playing center. And that seems to be the big discussion lately. Now, how do you feel about that? Do you think he projects better as a center or a wing when it comes to a uh, pro level as he gets to the NHL? I mean, time will tell, you know, I think that the debate against him would be maybe he's not the most cerebral player in the world. And I don't think it's hockey since it's an issue personally, some scouts I talk to do some, some don't. And, but, but that's kind of the debate is, is not like this high end playmaker. Uh, but I think he has a very good chance to be a center uh, just from what I've seen this season, where for the first half of the season, he was playing center. Uh, when, when Charlie Strangle from the NTDP was hurt, uh, their top three line centers for the second half of the season were Golden Cooley, Frank Nazar, Charlie Strangle. When Strangle was hurt the first half of the season, Coach A played the middle and he, he did it quite well. And, and or, you know, ended up playing him at center of the All American Prospects game two for that reason. And, I think he, he showed when he played whatever it was in those 15, 20 games in center this season that he could play confidently and, and, and help his team in, in that regard. It, it needs to be said that once Draymond came back, he did move back to the wing, uh, played on Logan Cooley's wing for most of the second half. Uh, but, but Boston College does plan to play him at center next season, and there's enough scouts I talked to out there who think he could be a center as well, and, and I personally do think he has a he has a a fairly strong chance to do so just because of the, the size and the skating. He can, he can kill penalties. And I do think there's hockey sets there. One of three U S program players with over 30 goals this year. It feels like every day on our draft rankings, we're talking about a different player from the program this year, whether it's a defenseman like Lane Hudson, who I'm super high on, despite maybe the smaller frame, Ryan Chesley. And then up front, you know, Howard Cooley, Nazar, McGrory, Snuggeroo, we just talked about as well. Even Devin Kaplan, like, would you, consider this to be a solid year for the u.s program overall yes it's a good it's a good year it's not one of their best years it's not like 2019 where they where they had that stack age group or yeah. uh like the austin matthews age group uh but but this this age group is is a strong one you know you're expecting you're going to get at least five or six first round picks charlie strain was projected top 10 pick in next year's draft uh so overall yes you're this is this was a strong age group i mean obviously they didn't win the u18 U18s, but they were the clear best team at that tournament. If they didn't get goalied in that last game, they they probably should have won that game by five or six goals. It's just that's just the way it worked out. So, uh, yeah, overall very strong age group. And like a guy like a Kaplan, you mentioned, who didn't play a big role on this team, I still expect to be a second or a third round pick just because scouts appreciate the toolkit and and they and they can see that it was there was an opportunity limitation on that team. Just to follow up on that, we know the Sens have made it a habit to take players with NHL bloodlines. I'm seeing the name Hayduk on here. Not a first-round, second-round guy, but uh, obviously his dad had a fantastic career. Is he a player that's going to get picked in this year's draft? Yeah, he could be a mid to late-round pick, I think. Okay, cool. Um, While we're talking about nationalities, I mean, from your conversations around the league with scouts, GMs, will the Russian factor be that much more prevalent this year than in years past? Uh, I, I think so. Uh, I, it, it does vary by team. Depending on how some teams are more uh, inclined to pick the Russians and some are very much not inclined. But because there's enough on that second part of the spectrum, it, it, I do think there will be some sort of an impact. Uh, like I said, it will, it will vary club by club, but I do think that we'll see the top three Russian prospects, Pavel Michikov, Ivan Mirosachenko, and Daniel Yurov, probably all go lower than where their talent slot uh, would tell you they go, it might only be by a couple of picks in the case of uh, Minchikov and the other ones it might be a lot lower, um, but we'll see what happens on draft day. 
Now, Corey, we're a goalie-friendly show here. Ross and I were both goalies uh, growing up, and we love seeing the love for the attendees. Uh, each draft, we try to highlight all, all the guys that we're looking forward to seeing. There's none of them in this draft. I mean, I haven't seen uh, – Ross, maybe you can correct me, oh. but I haven't seen a single goalie uh, prospect profile at all. Like, not even, not even one, not even like an honorable mention, this guy might be a sleeper. What's going on in the crease with this year's draft? I still think there'll be a, at least one or two goalies picked in the top two rounds, not in the first round, but I think that okay. Tobias Lennon in from JYP or, or Tyler Brennan from Prince George could end up being a second round pick. Uh, at least one, at least they'll both go by the end of the third round. Uh, so I, I think those are the two obvious guys in this year's class. And then you start going, I think Kevin Whitehead from Lincoln will be a mid round pick. I think Dylan Silverstein from the program will be picked. Uh, I think Mason Bowpitch from Spokane will be picked. Uh, I think um, Hugo Havlin might get picked. You know, even though he's a small goalie, he was the best, just had such a great U18. Obviously, he was the guy who goalied that amazing NTDP team. So I and think his brother's might... a big prospect as yeah, well. He's his effect, twin brother. Yes, they're, they're, they're twins, and yeah. their uncle was the coach of the team. No, um, and, <laughs> that's so crazy. Uh, and it's, so I think, I think Hugo's got a chance to, to okay. be, be a draft pick. Uh, I, I, you know, I can keep on going through names, but but I think those there there will be at least quite at least several top three, top four round goalies. You're not going to see a first rounder. You're probably not going to see a top 40, 45 pick. There's an outlier opinions that would have Lainan in there that I talked to around the league that have Lainan that high, but I would say that's not the consensus opinion. Okay, yeah, because that was a fun storyline last year. Everyone thought Wallstead was going to go first, then all of a sudden Detroit jumps up and takes Kosa instead. Obviously, looking good now. Edmonton yeah. is winning the uh, the Western or the WHL playoffs in in Spades. I was at a couple of those games in Winnipeg, Corey. That team is unbelievable. But uh, looking at the Winnipeg Ice, and more specifically Connor Geeky, he was one of your biggest movers in your top twenty. Uh, from your mid-season rankings to your final, you dropped them from 7 to 20. Was that as simple as the skating concerns and maybe the off-and-on consistency, or was it something else? No, I think that's uh, you pretty much hit the nail on the head there. When, when I saw him in the last season, in the beginnings of this season, I thought, yeah, there were skating concerns, but he's a 6'3 center. Uh, he's physical. I think this can be a two-way center with legitimate skill and, and playmaking ability. And then as the season went on, I I became less inclined to call him this really good physical two-way center. I think that's the split right now between the the, the scouts I talk to who are bullish and bearish on him is the ones who like him, think that he is a hard-to-play-against guy, 6'3", there's skill. I think this is a top-two-line center. And the other ones are more like, you know, this gives me some Dylan Strum vibes right here in terms of the way he plays. Uh, so I think that's kind of the divide. I kind of fell on the second part of that towards the second half of the season. Um, but he's a tough one. I can see the, I can see the case both ways. And if he was a top 10, top 12 pick, you know, I, I wouldn't blink. Now, going to uh, the other prominent player for the Winnipeg Ice, Matthew Savoy, a, a lot of um, prospect reporters and scouts have him pegged as a guy that maybe the Ottawa Senators will look into. What can you tell Sens fans that uh, might get them excited about that being a possibility at seventh overall? I, you know, there's a lot of talent there, obviously. He's, a, he's highly skilled. He's a great skater. He's got fantastic hockey sense. He can shoot the puck. He competes well. You know, the scatter report is overwhelmingly positive until you get to the size. He's five foot nine. Um, and I said, the skating's pretty strong. I wouldn't say it's exceptional speed for five foot nine, but he's, he's still a very good skater. 
so I think that's, you know, and, you know, he had a, he's been overly productive. Um, the production was a little power play driven. I think that's why he slowed down the second half because he got taken off that first power play unit. I put on the second unit, the, the production slowed down considerably after that, after he won the leading scores in the WHL in the first half of the season. Um, so, so really talented player. You know, I think when I talked about him in the context and he's about other organizations, the, the worry is, you know, him getting pushed to the wing. I think if, if he was the Senators pick at seven, you're not, you're not as concerned if he's a winger because I think you're really happy with your center. Not, you know, I don't think you're you're thrilled until they become legitimate stars in the NHL, but I think you can foresee a future of Josh Norris, Tim, you know, Shane Pinto, probably Tim Stewart slowly down the middle, and, and, and you're happy with, with those centers. Oh, yeah. Don't forget my boy Mark Kaslick just throwing his weight around down on the fourth unit. But uh, at this point, well, 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 more likely Ridley Greg. Yeah, sure. Sure. I mean, we've been uh, I mean, to, to some some tough reviews, we've been saying that he could be a guy where you go out and try to get that top six winger. But I, I'm still super high on Ridley. Just watching him live is so much fun because he just annoys everyone behind the play. Well, he's a, he's a on a good team. He's a very ideal third or fourth line center, and I I, I think that's you know that you get those options. And I think I know Stutzel's kind of been on and off the center versus wing thing. And I think depending on how well Pinto and and Greg develop, I think that will give you some flexibility with Stutzel on do you really want him down the middle or do you just prefer him on the wing to to, to kind of do his thing? Yeah. Oh, I'm I'm team hundred percent at center. Now that with the caveat he probably needs a winger that can take some face-offs for him at least at this stage in his career i think he's 38 percent. but the way he controls yeah. the play upside before i get back i got two more draft questions for you but i do want to ask you since we're, we mentioned both their names who's higher on in your mind of a, a potential stud in the nhl is it pinto or greg who do you have ahead of each other it, it would be pinto yes yeah. and i really like greg just, just but pinto based on obviously tough luck this season but based on what he showed you in the previous season um, from, from his collegiate career and his early NHL games. Um, I think you gotta, you just, you, you have to like a lot of what he brings to the table. Um, there's some similar attitude between the two of them, both being really, you know, six, you know, similar size, probably put a little bit bigger, uh, good skill, good hockey sense. They both compete well, probably Greg in a different way than Pinto and without being both blazing skaters. But I think based on what Pinto started as a pro and in college, I think you just have to like, you have to, you have to be more optimistic about his production. I was uh, hopeful you'd say that because it transitions beautifully into my next question. How could we go without talking about a North Dakota commit for the team that's drafted Jake Sanderson, Tyler Clevin, Shane Pinto, Jacob Bernard Docker. So Dylan James in this draft seems like a late riser rookie of the year in the USHL. Where do you see him fitting into the draft picture seventh overall, or would that be even more of a a stretch than uh, Tyler Boucher? Yeah, it'll be, it'll be a little stretch. I think he'll go in the second or the third round. Yeah. He's a big part of Sioux City winning that USHL championship. Um, not an amazing skater for 5'10", 5'11", but he's really, you know, good enough skater. He's really skilled. He competes well. He can score, uh, play at both ends. Like I said, he's a good he's a good player. Probably go in the second or third round range. Do they have an early third? Uh, they do. They have two yeah. thirds. They have their own yeah. and they have Boston's. Okay, so yeah, that, that would that would possibly be, if they have a late second or early third, that would probably be a, a range where you start to, that would be a, where you start talking about that one a little bit more seriously. Uh, uh, but yeah, unfortunately, not as not as many high at North Dakota commits this year. Yeah, well, Cole Spicer decommitted, right? I was excited about him too. Yeah, that wasn't really a surprise to me. You know, just there wasn't. He was a good. He's a good player. Just good junior player, probably. Just hard. I think there was. It was going to be hard for him to make that lineup. Fair, fair. 
Yeah, that's definitely fair. As we know, Nodak famously doesn't rebuild, they reload. So it's not easy <laughs> to crack the roster uh, in North Dakota. Now, you, you talked about um, the Sens having uh, early third-round pick. They also have a late second-round pick as it's Tampa Bay second-round pick. But I want to I wanna focus on their own second-round pick, which will be at 39 overall. Do you have any sleepers or guys you think may be uh, in, in a good range for the Sens to, to pick there? And that, that's final question from me, Corey. Thanks so much for, uh, for giving us your time here. Uh, yeah, I mean, what do you mean? What do you mean by that particularly? Like, what, what, are, you, what are you talking about? Which are sleepers like guys that I would think they'll be there guys that I'd like. What, what, what are particularly guys, you guys that uh, you would like for the sense to pick with that 39th overall. Yeah. Even if they're ranked higher on your list, but maybe just from your conversations around the league, you think they could be a player that falls into that range. Yeah. Okay. Those are different questions, but <laughs> I, I think, <laughs> <That's fair>. uh, <laughs> um, I, I like both the Mississauga kids. I like Luca Delba Blues and Owen Beck. I think okay. both of them have a yeah. chance to be available. At, at Ross loves spot. Owen Beck. Five-star yeah. guy. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's a good, he's a good player. Uh, you mentioned Lane Hudson before. I think he's a guy who has a very good chance to be there at 30, at 39. And I'd be surprised if they picked him there, to be quite honest. But I think that's a guy that, 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 you know, I have a lot of time for um, a couple of smaller wingers like Jacob Jagger, Ferkus, Isaac yes. Howard, Philip Meshar all have chances to be around there. Um, you know, so I, I think those, I, you know, like I said, I think that they would be in the mix for me. Are they in the mix for Ottawa? You know, based on what they historically pick, maybe Howard would probably make more sense there if he was there. I guess he he would of those guys, he's probably the most likely to be gone. Uh, but five ten wingers who aren't burners sometimes slide. I think Beck makes a lot of sense for what they value. I think that would that would be a good player just because he's got two-way ability. He'll play the middle of the wing. He's a good skater. He's, he's got, I think there's more offense there than what he showed in terms of points this season. Um, uh, I think that would make a lot of sense. Awesome, Corey. We really appreciate you joining us. Everyone can go follow him on Twitter at Corey Pronman. Find his work in The Athletic alongside one of our best friends of the show, Ian Mendes. So we're always pumping you guys up at The Athletic. My final question for you, Corey, it's uh, maybe a difficult one because there's a few names in the mix from reading your, your most recent articles, but we know that Simon Nemich, David Yerchek, in all likelihood, the first two defensemen off the board. If you are a general manager, who is your third defenseman off the board this year? Uh, you know, I'm probably off the consensus from, from, the, from the teams I talked to who would probably answer Kevin Korchinski from Seattle. Uh, I would take Denton Matejchuk from, from Moose Jaw. Uh, I just see, even though he's five foot eleven, and there aren't a lot of top four defensemen who are five foot eleven in the NHL, and I wouldn't take him at Ottawa's pick. For that, that being said, uh, is uh, I just see fantastic skating ability. I see legitimate offensive skill. I see great hockey sense. He can score goals. I think he's very active, and I think even though he is small, he defends quite well. Will he defend well in the NHL? Uh, maybe, maybe not. Just because, just because, because of the frame. Uh, but I think there's a lot of offense there. and But I do think, obviously, Will Kuczynski and, and Pavel Minchikov have lots of, lots of offense, too. Uh, so there, it would be tight between all of those three and, and Liam Bischel. I think there's a separation between those guys to your check and image. I'm glad you mentioned Bischel because that guy, just from watching his highlights, he's kind of like – he's got a little bit of Tyler Clevin in him, eh? Like, he's always looking to make a big hit. Yes, I think so. I think that's kind of the debate there with, with Bischel is, is he Kyle, Tyler Clevin? where there's not really much puck moving ability, but he's big and he's physical and he's mobile. Or can he be Keandre Miller, where maybe he's not that offensive, but there's enough there to go with the skating and the feet and the size and, and, and the physicality where this guy's going to be a really comfortable, tough four defenseman for you. So I'll be, I'll be interested to see where Bishop goes come draft day.
July 7th, it's coming up quick. We know that you're going to be all over it. You've already got your upside rankings. You've got your big board, your mock draft. Every angle of this draft, Corey Prodman has it covered. So go follow him on Twitter, at Corey Prodman, and find his work in The Athletic. Thank you to Corey Pronman for joining us. I uh, really appreciate his time. Like we said about a lot of these guests, for them to give us 20, 30 minutes of their time in the busiest part of the season and uh, the off season, there's a lot going on for them. We really appreciate them taking the time. And we got a lot more great guests lined up for you. So thanks to Corey for joining us from The Athletic. Go follow him on Twitter and check out his mock draft, his rankings. Anything he does draft-related or elsewise is uh, great stuff as far as I'm concerned. So that was a great interview and chat with him. Now, things are heating up in the offseason, hopefully, for the Ottawa Senators. We've had some great news in the last couple of weeks. LeBreton Flat, Flats news still so huge that Ottawa is working towards getting an arena downtown finally. And... Obviously, the news of Daniel Albertson being named to the Hockey Hall of Fame. That's another big W for the Sens. Hopefully, the W's can continue, though, as Elliot Friedman reported on Twitter. A couple of other notes to keep an eye on. Sounds like things are intensifying on the Kevin Fiala front. So, either that's good news or that's bad news for the Sens. Um, Like I've said a couple times, I really see the fit in New Jersey just working so well. They have so many assets to use to acquire him. Kevin Fiala is a Swiss guy. If he could go over and play with Nico Heischer, I'm sure that's something both of them would really like, especially Heischer's a center, Fiala's a winger. They could make some real magic together on the same line. But Ottawa, very similar circumstances, right? They've got a lot of assets that they could move. Leave a comment below what you think would be an appropriate uh, trade proposal for the Sens to try to acquire Kevin Fiala. Keep in mind, this is a guy coming off a career year with 85 points, 33 goals, 52 assists. I think his previous best, yeah, was 2019-2020 with 54. So that is quite a bump in points for Kevin Fiala. It's going to be very interesting to see what happens. We've gone over this over and over uh, as he's probably the top trade target for the Sens. But now with Elliot Friedman saying things are intensifying, let's hope we get some big news for the Ottawa Senators and Kevin Fiala soon because adding a top six winger like that, just start thinking about him playing on a line with Tim Stutzla and Drake Patterson. Oh my God, that would be so, so nasty. The things, the highlights that those three could produce together would be wild. So I'm still in the camp that, hey, you got you got to acquire these veterans sometimes. And if it means giving up good assets, good uh, draft picks, prospects, whatever you need to do, you need to start doing that now because this team has core pieces in place. And guys like Josh Norris... Guys that are going to be looking to sign long-term down the road, it's nice if you have some veterans also locked up as well. So I think the Kevin Fiala stuff is going to be very interesting here. Like I said, leave a comment. Let me know. Let us know what you think is going to happen in the Kevin Fiala uh, aspect of that news from Elliot Friedman. That's all I got from, from me today. So thank you very much, guys, for joining me. Thank you to Corey Bronman once again for joining us. And we'll chat again tomorrow. This has been the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day.